someone to be around you. Someone to sit down and pour you short But sometimes saying goodbye to familiar folks is the only way. Sometimes that's when you finally find your space. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of the Japan Distilled Podcast. We're very glad that you joined us here again today, and I'm your host, Christopher Pellegrini, recording in Tokyo, Japan. And with me in his home in Fukuoka, Japan, about a two-hour flight from here, is my co-host, Stephen Lyman. We are both certified shochu and awamori professionals. We're published authors, and I think it's a safe bet that we prefer to spend our free time on islands. We've been exploring the wonderful world of Japanese spirits for a combined three decades or so, and we're very excited to share our experiences and what we've learned with you through this podcast. Stephen, how are you doing? Doing well, Christopher. As I always say, I'm excited about the episode. And I remember you and I did a very early uh, Instagram live, and we talked about this subject, and I've been wanting to get back up to it as a podcast episode ever since. I'm glad we're finally getting around to it. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I am looking forward to getting back to some islands that are not this particular island that we that I live on anyway. You live on a different island. That's right. My island's bigger. Yours is bigger. Mine has uh, more shochu. And more angry mountains, no, otherwise known as volcanoes. Is that true? Are there more volcanoes in Kyushu than in... That I'm not sure about, but you certainly have an angry one right now. Mount Aso just popped today, didn't it? It did. It did. That's a beautiful area. Have you spent time around Aso? I have not gotten close enough to be able to smell the sulfur, so to speak, but spent a lot of time in Kumamoto, that's for sure. Yeah, I think probably the prettiest volcano I've seen in, uh, in Japan. All apologies Except when to it's angry. our friend Sakurajima. Oh, sure. Yeah, don't say that too loud. Yeah. Um, speaking of islands, I mean, we are going to be talking about island spirits, I suppose, is something that I've seen them branded as recently on a relatively new website, a website that might have gone live last December. But to be more specific, we're going to be talking about Shimazake. And that can be loosely translated as island booze, I suppose. Yeah. And you could, of course, argue that Japan is really nothing but islands. But here in Japan, Shimazake kind of has a nuanced meaning, which we're going to get into in a very short couple of moments. But before we do, if you have been enjoying the show, as always, we just want to ask you to please tell everyone you know about it. And of course, the ratings and reviews really help us to get the word out there. So thank you in advance for your effort there. Absolutely. I actually, rather than talking about any communication I've had recently from listeners, I'll tell you, I was really energized by this morning's uh, show Tuesday, our live stream, mm-hmm. uh, where of course, we're, we're recording this, so this, people are going to hear this in a few weeks, but we had our live stream this morning on uh, the start of the sweet potato shochu season, and we had so much engagement. We were getting so many questions and so much feedback from the audience. It was a really, really nice feeling because I feel like sometimes we do those and it's just crickets, right? We're, we're just kind of talking into the void. Uh, but this morning, we really had, had great questions. We had a lot of people interested in what we were talking about, and, and it just it was very energizing for me. I was, I've been kind of riding on a high on that all day. So thank you all for that. 
Yeah, very, it was very cool. And if you so therefore, if you have any questions, comments, or just contextual stories about your experiences with Shimazake, then please let us know. Of course, there is a little bit of difference in understanding of what this word means, but I guess maybe without further ado, why don't we just pile right into it? Sure. So, right, Shimazake. Uh, Shima means island, and sake is, of course, alcohol. It becomes pronounced, the S changes to a Z when it's connected speech. So, Shima sake becomes Shima zake. And if you want to go through the fundamentals of pronunciation, then we would encourage you to go back to episode one, where we went over that in detail. That's a pretty good guide to the pronunciation of the words common to the shochu and awamori world, as well as many other spirits made in Japan. And, um, but let's get a little bit of background. Let's get some context. Uh, Stephen? Sure. I mean, we're talking about Shimazaki or island hooch, island booze, really what the locals are making and drinking. And you can argue, I mean, Japan is an island nation. Japan's actually made up of 6,852 different islands. Somebody actually took the time to count. Of those, 421 of them are inhabited. So most of the islands in Japan are uninhabited, sort of rock outcropping somewhere within the territorial waters uh, of Japan. But really, when we think about Japan, when you see it on a map, what you're really looking at for the most part are the four main islands. Uh, we talked about at the top of the show, we talked about Honshu and I'm in Kyushu. So Honshu is the main island kind of banana shaped. That's where Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, most of the major cities uh, that you've heard of are in uh, Honshu on that main island. And then way up at the northern end, you've got uh, Hokkaido. And Hokkaido is actually a single prefecture. It's the largest prefecture by area in Japan. Uh, but that's a single island at the north. And that actually only joined uh, the Japanese country, what, in the, I guess, mid to late 1800s, I think. Before then, it was a, the wild, wild west is almost the way that I think about it. Like, that's where fugitives would escape. It was just lawless and people were just living off the land. And uh, eventually it got you know, brought into the fold and, and uh, still it's a huge agricultural area uh, for, for Japan and, and uh, still a pretty unique place. It, in, in some ways, it almost doesn't feel like the mainland. Then down south, we've got Kyushu, where I'm based, uh, which is, as I'm sure everybody is aware, because we mention it all the time, it's where most shochu is made. And then the other large island is, is Shikoku. And Shikoku is just south of western Honshu. It's, it's kind of south of like Kobe and what I guess maybe Hiroshima is kind of the range where it's uh, south of. And that island is actually quite remote. Uh, it's got famous temples and shrines and all that sort of thing, but it's a pretty remote area. Uh, but those are the four main islands. And so when we're talking about Japan, we consider that sort of mainland Japan are those four islands. And then everything else uh, would be the other islands, or the outlying islands. And so these 417 other inhabited islands where they might be making uh, Shimazake. That's probably a little, little long-winded geography lesson. We'll put a map in the show notes so people uh, aren't too confused by my ramble. Right. So it's, it's basically, can you get there without having to swim or take a boat? Yeah, that's, uh, I think so, because all of the main islands are connected by either rail, railway bridges, tunnels, or uh, highway bridges, tunnels, right? Okay. Okay. So yeah, that seems like a fair, fair thing. If you, if you don't have to fly or take a boat or swim to get there, that's, that's fair. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then that probably 
includes Okinawa. Yes, I would say that it does. <laughs> Probably the most famous uh, Shimazake, right? Sure. And Okinawa actually has a an annual festival called the Shimazake Festa. So it is, of course, a celebration of all of the, what is it? It's 47 distilleries that are making awamori in Okinawa Prefecture today. And so I guess, what do, what do we think about that? Yeah, I mean, all of it Shimazake or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it is from the perspective of Japanese mainlanders, right? Mm -hmm. But in Okinawa, maybe they have a little bit different perspective uh, because you have a whole bunch of distilleries concentrated on the main island of Okinawa. Sure. But then you have all of the other islands with, that have their own distilleries. And, and some of those end up being very different in how they express, right? So very true. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, can, I can get down with that. There's 29 distilleries on the main island of Okinawa. Mm -hmm which is the lion's share, of course. But there's another 18 that are scattered across a bunch of other islands, mostly to the west mm -hmm. of the main island. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe we'll focus on those, those 18. Maybe that's what we'll talk about today. Sure. Um, I mean, there's some, there's some famous stuff made out there. Probably the most famous, the, the, the one that people lust for is, is um, Awanami, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awanami is the, you know, made out on Hatenumajima. And it's just, you really can only get it there. And then I think you can get it on the neighboring island. Um, I think you can maybe get it in a couple of places on the main island, but it really is a destination purchase. A lot mm -hmm. of people do get out there and the secondary market seems to be fueled by bottles that have been purchased on vacations over there. But there's that. And then there's the, the, complete weirdo which is shirayuri which has mm -hmm. one of the funkiest drinks made in japan i think that one's safely called a shimazake by oh <laughs> as people absolutely <laughs> and i think this is something that's gonna we're gonna find a lot of commonalities here in that a lot of this the shochu and the awamori that are made on the more remote islands or the islands that are a little harder to get to maybe you need a helicopter for instance those those drinks tend to be very unique. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I need the word very in front of the word unique, so I apologize for that, but they are special. They are different. And you will know what we mean when you crack a bottle open and get a smell of what's coming out of the neck. It's They're pretty impressive. They are. I, I, I guess that probably is because they're not really looking for that main uh, kind of mainstream, middle of the road, easy sipper. Right, which a lot of larger distilleries in in more populated areas really want market share. Right, so they're thinking about it more from a from a, a business perspective. You know, trying to appeal to as many people as possible. We're on the islands; they just need to sell it to their local folks, and they've been making it for years. People have been drinking it for years, so they just keep making it. Is that fair? Maybe. I think that's a that's a consideration across much of these really small makers. But yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah, I mean, also in Okinawa, you know, we've got uh, Yonaguni. Right, which actually is closer to Taiwan than it is to the next closest Okinawan island. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've got their legit fire water, mm -hmm. right? Which is what, 60% alcohol, 120 proof? At least. Which is, it, it, that stuff doesn't exist anywhere else in Japan, mm -hmm. right? And I mean, I, I bought a couple of bottles during the beginning of the pandemic. I bought a couple of bottles just as 
to, to have high proof alcohol around for like hand sanitizer if, if, if stocks ran low. You guys ran out. Right. Now, fortunately, I never had to use it for that. Um, <laughs> that would be fragrant. Um, I think they actually refer to that style as hanazake, which would mm-hmm. maybe be translated as flower alcohol. But yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Not made from flowers, but no, it's not. It's, it's awamori, just like, you know, made from rice, like the rest of awamori, black koji. But they sort of have a special dispensation to still above 40, 44.9% alcohol. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, they take advantage, take full advantage. What's probably the most, most famous brand of that? Is it, would you say Donan? I think so. Or, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the one that hard, you can hard get to find, but occasionally up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the most widely traveled of the Hanazake from that part of Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you've got, uh, well, I guess it's a little embarrassing to say that I've only been to one outlying island in Okinawa. And that's definitely something I need to correct in the future. But uh, when I went to Miyakojima, and that's a really famous uh, scuba area. A right. lot of people go there for diving from all over the world. Uh, and but when you visit, you know it is a small island. Uh, there's sort of one main town, and of course you've got your your resorts for the tourists and that sort of thing. But the uh, the distilleries are out in the countryside, you know. And I I remember visiting, I think it was Ikema, and it was on a dirt road off of a dirt road in the middle of a cane field. Yeah. And just super, super remote and rural. And you, you're just waiting for the pit vipers to come out of the cane field and, and greet you yeah. as you got out of the car. Uh, and they're just making this amazing stuff. And again, they're not considering what other people want to drink. They're just making what they like to make. And, right. and some people love it, right? They, got, they have a cult following mm-hmm. with their uh, Nico Nico Taro brand, yep. which is one of my favorites. Yeah, I actually went to a wedding where Taro-san himself was a, also a guest on Miyakojimo. So no kidding. Yeah, it was a small world. <laughs> but um, and then there's also Ishigaki Jima, which I was saying before Awanami. I think you can buy it on Ishigaki as well. Okay, that's the kind of the jumping off point for getting to Hateruma. Hmm. Um, and then what else? There's some other interesting stuff made down around in the periphery of the main island, right? Basically, everything we've been talking about is kind of west, as you mentioned, like west and southwest of the main island. Yeah. Uh, but if you go due east, eight hours on a ferry, you end up in uh, Minami Daito, which is actually where the Grace Rum Distillery is made. Uh, and for people familiar, that's the Core Core brand. So that's being made in Okinawa, but it's not that island cluster, the little the Daito Islands are just this tiny little cluster of islands just way, way off east. And it's almost like, how, how did you get here? And why are you here? And why do people live here? <laughs> there's like a North Island and a South, and there's not really anything on the North. Everything's kind of happening on the South. Minami Daito. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't been out there before, but. No, I haven't either. I'd like, like to make that trip. I've thought about it a couple of times. Eight hours is, a, is an investment on the ferry though, isn't it? It really is. And those ferries get canceled so easy, easily because there's a lot of, it's, Typhoon, Typhoon Alley, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So much whipping through there. It gets quite windy. The waves get a bit inclement. And, you know, it's better safe than sorry most of the time. So a lot of that stuff gets canceled and you end up spending a lot more time on the island than you had initially anticipated. And what with COVID and everything right now, the schedules of back and forth with the boats is not quite as frequent, much like the flights as they once were. So sure. Yeah, you gotta you gotta plan a buffer on either side. I would say, 
Right. It's not a weekend getaway, right? You got to. It isn't. Gotta give yourself some time. It's not. But enough, if we go a little bit further north of Okinawa into the Amami Islands, and this is a place that's probably arguably a little easier to get to. You can go by ferry, of course, but you can also fly there from Kagoshima proper. I believe people fly there sometimes from Fukuoka, where you are. Mm-hmm. And it's a a few well, five islands that have shoju distilleries on them. And of course, as fans of this, this show will know, it's the home of Kokuto Sugar Shochu. And it's where they make that really di- deep, rich, uber dark cake chocolate from the local cane syrup and they use that along with rice koji to make the local shimazake they're making a often 30 percent abv kokuto sugar shochu that has i think is really starting to come into its own i mean we've been very pleasantly surprised with the reception to the drinks that we've been pouring for people overseas over the last year or two. And I think as they start to find their stride and they start to put some marketing money behind their efforts, it could be something that you see on a shelf near you quite shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think quite, a, quite approachable for Western drinkers because it is, is reminiscent of rum in some ways, right? With the, with the sugar base. Uh, but of course with the Koji, the rice Koji, you get some umami as well. So, uh, Really, really nice drinks. And those are, again, you are on a cluster of islands. It used to actually be part of the Ryukyu Kingdom uh, back in the day before the Satsuma Domain said, we're going to take these islands for ourselves and turn them into sugar plantations. Uh, and then obviously when Japan modernized, that all changed. But uh, yeah, those are those are great drinks. What do you, Now, we, we sort of said that if you were made on the main island, in Okinawa, maybe you're kind of not such a Shimazake. What about Amami? Is it the same thing there? Is, um, if you're made in Amami Oshima, are you still a Shimazake? I, okay, let's use the same rules. Let's use the same rules. So maybe it's Oshima is the main the mainland of Amami, which it is. It's where most people live. Mm-hmm. So if you're on Kikai, for instance, then that's Shimazake. If you're <laughs> down south, then that's Shimazake. Yeah, we're going to make some enemies in the industry if they listen to this too closely. I know we might we might be stepping on toes unintentionally while we're trying to just paint a clearer picture of what shimazake means. Sure, sure. Uh, and and there we've got what twenty eight distilleries. Is that right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I guess the weirdo for me, and this is uh, something that I think you and I kind of discovered together, was the the rum from Tokunoshima called uh, Rurikakesu. Yeah, and I think it might have been the first Japanese rum I ever tried. And it comes in a brown isho bean or in a brown 900 milliliter bottle, which is a half of an isho bean, basically, the 1.8s, right? And they're shochu bottles, but it's rum. And it's, it's, a, it's brown glass, so you can't really see the color. But when you actually pour it out, you realize it's got a, it's got a light hue to it. It's, been, it's spent some time in casks. And it's just weird. It's a really, really funky rum. I've learned to love it. I do too, yeah. When you taste people on it at first, they're like, hmm, it's, it's a little bit of a, of a head turner. Like what, what's going on here? But we actually, when we were running our, uh, our liquor store here in Fukuoka, we started selling it and we, um, whenever we'd order a case, it would show up, we'd have to order by phone. And whenever the case would show up, the, the receipt inside the case would be handwritten. 
the entire receipt would be handwritten. And we learned later, actually, that it was the mother of the president who's in her 90s was doing all of the bookkeeping and doing it all by hand on scraps of paper. Uh, so, yeah, the Tokunoshima has got definitely legit Shimazake vibes to it, I think. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Didn't we talk about that one in the rum episode? I th- yeah, I think we did. We went over that a little bit on in the rum episode. Uh, so it might be, yeah, go go find that one and and have a listen because you get our unvarnished first impressions of opening one of those bottles and it is it is an experience. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, no doubt. You've got you got some shimazake up your way though, don't you? Oh yeah. Which I think would surprise a lot of people that there's shochu made in Tokyo. Sure, there's I mean there's shochu made all across Japan and that's important to remember. I mean, it really is something that's made in every prefecture. However, when we talk about really serious or really traditional shochu, then we're invariably talking about Kyushu and Okinawa and everything that is surrounding that area. If you go further north, you tend to get mostly mostly sake makers that are occasionally making sake, uh, kasutori shochu or shochu made from sake kasu or the lees. And then occasionally you'll run into a place that specializes in, in shochu. And one of those areas is this string of islands that stretches south and sort of southeast out of Tokyo. It's actually part of Tokyo. And it's the Izu Islands. And there's seven distilleries, seven shochu distilleries, and then also a liqueur rum distillery on this string of islands. And they make some really interesting stuff. Everything from uh, Shimajiman on Nijima, which is, you know, kind of not that, not nothing crazy, all the way stretching out into Aogashima, which is essentially a volcano sticking up out of the water with less than 200 people living on it. And they make Aochu and a bunch of other brands at that distillery. That's a really difficult island to get to. It is absolutely Shimazake out there because we're talking a helicopter ride that gets canceled if it's too windy, or we're talking a ferry that has a really hard time making it through the choppy waves. And this part of Japan was actually used, much like the um, Amami Islands were, as a place to kind of chuck the unwanted, the dirty, the criminals. When you needed to exile someone, you just put them out on an island that has really choppy water around it and strong currents. And then it's likely you'll never hear from them again. And this part of the islands of the archipelago was pretty well known for that. If you if Amami Island was a little too close to Kagoshima for the Satsuma clan, then hey, <laughs> throw them up to, to Hachijojima or something like that. Uh, leave them up there and you're probably never going to hear from them again. And that is partly how distillation made its way to these islands. And the most interesting of these is on Aogashima, where they are making Aochu, as I said before, which leverages a dual wild fermentation, meaning wild koji and wild yeast to make a variety of expressions that are authored by 10 different people who consider themselves to be toji. So you've got a population of less than 200 with like 10 of them are technically toji. It's a fascinating place. And the way that they make their spirits is just unlike anything I've ever seen or heard of before. Yeah. I mean, when you first told me about that with wild koji propagation and wild yeast, uh, propagation in the same spirit. 
so high on my list of places I need to visit because I feel like it's something you got to see to believe. Yeah, it really is. It sounds like, again, one of those places is an investment in time to get there, right? There's no it easy is. way there or back. So it, it is. You can get you can get stranded there quite easily, it, but it's worth the effort because the way that they do it, I mean, they use what they have. It's, it's the type of place that is super reliant on boats bringing their supplies and everything that most of what they get, what they have to survive is imported from the rest of Japan. And so they get their supply cut off by bad weather all the time. They make barley, they have sweet potatoes. So they make a barley koji sweet potato, which is quite common in those islands. (laughs) And the koji is propagated by using the long leaves, the green leaves of the taniwatari plant, which just has the koji growing on it. So they steam the grains and they lay these leaves on top and the mold propagates that way. And then they're off and they start their fermentation after that. It's a really, really interesting style. You got to call ahead when you're going to go because there's only like a couple of places to stay. There's like a couple of places to eat. <laughs> it is a journey, um, but it it will be one for the ages if you're able to make it. Sure. That, that sounds incredible. And I, you know, as a history buff, I always wonder back, I think, how did somebody ever figure out that there was koji growing on them leaves? <laughs> and this is a way we can make our local alcohol. That's just seems like such an improbable discovery. Yeah, it must have, must have just been an accident. I think a lot of this stuff was. Sure, sure. That's that's fascinating. I, I think we'd be remiss without mentioning another island that's even further off the coast of Tokyo. And I think you like when if you're going to, let's say, Hachijojima, what, what's the trip from Tokyo? If you're going to take a boat rather than a, a flight, oh, what's the ferry like? I haven't checked it. I've only taken the ferry from from southern, the south part of Tokyo City to or the south part of downtown to Nijima, okay. which is, I always take the overnight ferry. So it's about, it might be six hours long. Okay. You leave quite late and arrive super early. Gotcha. Like right at the ass crack of dawn. And I know that if you're going to go all the way out to Hachijojima, it's probably about twice that mm. duration. So most people fly, I think. Okay. Gotcha. It's, it's a, it's not a long flight. Seem to remember it being about an hour. And then if you want to go to Aogashima, you got to, depart from Hachijojima. But it's these are really nice places to visit, honestly, because they are Tokyo, technically. They're far-flung Tokyo, but they're Tokyo. So they're Tokyo taxes, Tokyo license plates, Tokyo everything. So hmm. it's pretty comfortable, reasonably comfortable. A little, little rural. Nice parks and that sort of thing, I guess, right? Oh, beautiful parks. The landscape's unbelievable. Very tropical. A lot of flora and fauna that you won't be used to uh, rummaging around the Kanto region proper, but it's it just takes a little extra effort to get there, and that's where that's where you know beauty is always awaiting, right? Sure, sure. Sort of within the same string of islands running south of Japan, and I think still technically part of Tokyo. Yeah, you're you're going again, like a two or three times further. Yeah, than Hachijojima to get down to Ogasawara. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's like half, it's, if you look on a map, it's essentially halfway to Guam mm-hmm. from Tokyo. And that's still part of Tokyo. And it's... Thing is out there. And they make rum. Rum keeps popping up on these super remote islands uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I guess when you can grow cane and you can, <laughs> you can ferment the cane juice and you have a still, rum is, it was what you make. So 
it's just, it's kind of crazy to think that there are just these islands that are thousands and thousands of kilometers off the coast of mainland Japan that still have a, a distilling industry going. That's a bucket list item for me. I would love to get out there. Sure. I wouldn't even know how to go. Like, how, how would you get there? That's, there is a ferry that I think it's a, it's a, over one day long. I'm sure it is. Which I can't quite wrap my head around. I believe you can fly. Mm, okay. I'm sure you can fly, but I don't know. I never looked into it. Sure. Definitely another, another one on the list. No doubt. Des definitely need to get that done. Yeah. So the, the Tokyo islands, the, those outer lying islands do have some pretty old shochu making, honkaku shochu making traditions that are native to them. And they do have connections to Satsuma, which is really interesting, mostly because of crime and punishment. <laughs> sure. But still, it, it was a, there is absolutely a connection and sweet potatoes are a part of that, of course. I, I can just imagine that conversation. It's like, all right, we're going to banish you uh, to an island about as far away as we can figure out. And then the next thing the guy says is, okay, so can I bring my still? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder if what it was is that there were people that were banished. And then I don't know if this was possible, but I suspect it might have been that, a f a f that family members could follow them. Okay. If they so chose. And I, I wonder if people arriving later brought other things that would help the process. I wonder, you know, so. Brought the amenities, right? And of course, back then they were. Comforts. They were probably going to be making their own clay stills, pot stills and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. They might have been using ho hollowed out logs or something for the pot. Who knows? But sure, sure. Yeah, the, it, it's uh, maybe something that we need to go down there to research. That'd be a great, great time. I'd really enjoy that. The I guess we've, we've done Okinawa mm -hmm. and the Amami Islands, which I consider part of it's part of the UQ chain. And then we've done now the islands off of Tokyo. But what about, there are islands around Kyushu sure. as well, right? Where, the, of course, the home of shochu production. Absolutely. But some of those islands are pretty important. So what do you got? Yeah. Uh, the most important, or at least the one that's most internationally recognized, and this is by way of geographical indication or something that would be known as maybe an appellation or an AOC in France, and that's Iki. Iki Island, which is technically part of Nagasaki Prefecture, but actually is geographically far closer to where you are. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want to go to Iki Island, then you should probably depart from Fukuoka City or Hakata Port. That's right. Mm -hmm. Because there's a, a jet foil. It is a jet foil, isn't it? It is. It's a jet engine powered hydrofoil. Hydrofoil. Yeah. It's pretty fast. It skims across the top of the water and and it's very loud. It is very loud, but I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and that's the best way to go. And on Iki Island, they make that GI protected Iki Shochu style, which is one part rice koji to two parts barley. It's a prescribed style. You can't err from it. So everybody on the island makes it in that old school manner. And there are seven distilleries that are on the island to this day, making that style of Shochu. And they're pretty buddy-buddy. They work together quite well. They, they get along well and they are attempting, just like everybody else, to advertise their, their product to the rest of the world. Iki Shochu is a, a really interesting deep style of barley shochu, I find. It's, it's quite different from the more common oita barley style. Oita, you know, the likes of Ichiko come to mind, Nikaido comes to mind. These are 
very, very light and soft expressions of barley shochu, 100% barley. And I think the Iki style, and you can feel free to disagree with me if you want, but I feel like the Iki style shochu that I've tried, and I've tried at least one expression from all seven distilleries, is a little bit more, it's a little deeper, it's a little more complex, it's a little grainier. And you can, of course, find expressions that are very fruity and with lots of banana, a la Chingu, sure, right, which is a brand that we both know and love. And then you can also find uh, expressions that are way earthier, a little bit funkier, and something that I guess maybe would translate a little bit more as a, a toasty note or a nutty note. But there's a you know there's a pretty good spectrum over there, and I feel like it's because of the rice koji. What do you what, what do you think about that? I think you're right that that's where some of the the depth of character comes through, and also they're more willing to use an atmospheric still, which so much of the Oita shochu, and even here in Fukuoka, so much of the barley shochu is is vacuum distilled, and then you'll occasionally find either a blend of atmospheric and and uh, vacuum, or you know the occasional occasional atmospheric, and and I do feel like you know in in Iki, they're a little bit more just letting it be what it is and not trying to make, again, that inoffensive middle of the road mass market style. They're really, this is what we make. This is how we make it. And we're going to keep doing that. Yeah. But some of them are lovely. You're right. You do get the banana, you get some fruit. There's there's some very, very easy, easy drinking Iki shochu. Uh, but I think that's a fair assessment that it's a little more deeper complex than what you get uh, from other parts of Japan, as far as barley goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it is a tiny island. I mean, there's, as you said, there's only seven distilleries. And it's, what, 19 kilometers from north to south. If you take the, the road yeah. straight through the middle of the island. I mean, I was running errands today around Fukuoka and I cycled 25 kilometers. So I've cycled further today than the length of that island. And I didn't cycle that far, you know. So it's a, it's a tiny place. I mean, I think, cr- I think Craig Fisher could rollerblade across that island in about an hour flat. He probably could, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to get out there with my Brompton some sometime and just ride the island. That, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and great seafood, you know, really nice local culture. Again, really easy to get to relative to a lot of the other islands we're talking about. But I think it definitely gets Shimazake status just because of its place in history and, and yeah. uh, you know, and the fact that there's only seven of them out there doing it. Um, and, you know, and we don't really think of Nagasaki when we talk about shochu. It's, it almost never comes up in our conversations, mm-hmm. but it's, te- it's technically, Iki is technically, technically part of Nagasaki. And there are a couple distilleries in Nagasaki proper in Kyushu, and there are a couple distilleries on other islands, but it's really concentrated up there in Iki for the most part, isn't yep. it? Yeah, they get all of the shine, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other distilleries of note closer to Nagasaki city, but they just, yeah, they, they are in the shadow of Iki because Iki has the GI. They're one of four for the spirits traditions of Japan. And I think they it's definitely deserved. And, and that's why they will always be what is known as shochu made in Nagasaki, probably. Yeah, that's fair. I think, you know, with thinking about other islands around Kyushu. Yeah, let's go south. Sure. I think, you know, and this is, this is sort of, again, gets into our definition because you got something like Amakusa which is an uh-huh. island, yeah. but, but you can get, there's a highway, right? You can get there by car mm-hmm. pretty quickly from, from Kumamoto city. 
So basically, it's so close to Kumamoto City that you almost feel like if you were taking a nap in the car, you wouldn't realize you're on a different island. You'd think you're still on Kyushu. Mm -hmm. And that's the same feeling you have with uh, Nagashima, right down in in Kagoshima. I mean, it's a tiny little bridge, but it is technically an island. But again, it just feels like you're still in Kyushu. So I don't know if those really qualify as uh, Shimazake. But we do have some outlying islands where there is pretty great shochu being made. Mm -hmm. Um, The one that was really memorable for me was actually Yakushima. Right. Uh, which is uh, the Princess Mononoke, the sort of the the environment of that anime was inspired by Yakushima, which is a world heritage site. It's got something like 240 mountains on one tiny little island. It's it's a microclimate. Like it's they say it rains 35 days a month mm-hmm. because it's always raining somewhere on the island. Yeah. Uh, some of the some of the heaviest rainfall in Japan, and really just lush verdant, green, beautiful rainforest, basically. And then you've got two distilleries there. Um, you've got Mitake, which is a pretty famous brand. Mm-hmm. Um, they've expanded quite a bit to make themselves quite a large distillery at this point, but they used to be they used to be tiny, yeah, or relatively tiny. Yeah, and that's I guess that's you know good for them. They they made quite a bit of success and people still have a, a very high opinion of them, but they're now making it in a pretty, pretty big factory. And then, and then you've got, you know, Hombo has their, their distillery uh, down there. Yeah. Uh, and they actually do the Yakushima aging, right. For some right. of their whiskeys, right. To give it a little bit of that, that briny salt ocean air, right. Uh, to the, to the, to the whiskeys from Mars. So yeah, Yakushima is a, a pretty interesting island, island again, beautiful place. Um, and, and actually one of their local cuisines is deer. Because the Yakushima deer is, is uh, one of the local staples. So I think I had deer gyoza, which I'd never had before. I have not tried that. I would love to try that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. And then near there, there's another island, isn't there? Yeah, Tanegashima is right near there. Basically in between Yakushima and Kagoshima proper, the ferry kind of bounces off there and goes to Yakushima. Or I believe you can fly as well as pretty much everywhere. Jal will fly anywhere if there's a if there's enough long enough runway, and Tanegashima has a few distilleries as well. The one that I tend to default to is Kuyo, which is made by Tanegashima Shuzo, and it's a really it's a really pretty full on sweet potato shochu with a lot of pepper, a lot of spicy notes, almost like you're sitting in the canopy of an evergreen forest. It's a really interesting sweet potato shochu that I. I will often come back to and yeah, it's, and then, and then, you know, route 58 runs through there somehow on its way back up into Kagoshima. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's the, the Shimazake culture. I think it's another thing about it is that all of these places that we've been talking about, they really are in some cases you could easily mistake them for paradise. I don't think that's an overstatement at all. I mean, if, if you're walking along the, the sandy beaches of Amami or hell Okinawa or, you know, or in deep in the, in the lush forest of Yakushima with the, you know, the waves crashing and they're different. They're just, they're separated enough from the every day of the rest of Japan that they almost feel like in certain instances that they're from almost a, they're like a, a time capsule of sorts. And I think if you were to look at the, in infrastructure and if you were to analyze the quality of the wi-fi and and so on and so forth you would absolutely ascertain that they are a step or two behind in some regards but there's also a 
a simplicity and a beauty to those places and the way that people live their lives there that I think is also reflected to a certain extent in the drinks that they make. And there certainly is, I mean, we talked about it with Iki. There's a, we're just going to make it the way that we always have because that's what works well for us. And they, they don't necessarily try to completely reinvent the wheel. I mean, they, uh, having said that, there's a lot of funky stuff going on over there, but it's not as, it's not like they've got handcuffs on or anything. But I, I really appreciate these shima, the, the places where shimazake is made because you feel like you're, you're stepping off into a completely different land. You know what I mean? I don't, am I making any sense? Mm-hmm. No, you are. And I, I think that's really, as you were describing it, and that's exactly what it is. It really is. It's paradise. If you didn't know where you were, you just, you know, you're in any kind of amazing island environment around the planet. And you almost forget you're in Japan. And so then my question for you is, why do we live in big cities? Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't do that to me on, on air. <laughs> I can't, can't just be, can't just be the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, no, I would, yeah, I would, you know me, I would love to live some, somewhere not quite as built up as Tokyo. I mean, hell, I'm from Vermont. What sure. the heck am I doing over here? But um, yeah. yeah. The convenience is also attractive, I suppose. Sure. I guess just one other island that we didn't put in the in the in the script for the show, but I think we should talk about is is uh, Koshiki. Oh yeah, right. Where my my absolute favorite Imoshochu, apologies to Tekan Wakamatsu, uh, is is Rokudai Meiyuri, which is uh, made there. Uh, and then there's one other distillery there, right? Yoshinaga, uh, making pretty amazing stuff as well. Yep. Absolutely. And, you know, I, again, someplace I haven't been, uh, there have not been open for visitors uh, for a while because of the of the pandemic, but hopefully at some point you can be able to get over there. And that's a ferry ride basically from Sendai, right? From the western coast of Kagoshima uh, to get out to those islands, which have you, have you been out there? I have not actually. And, you know, it's, I, I think my bucket list has doubled just since we started this damn podcast. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, definitely have to make that happen. So. Sure. So I guess we kind of came up with a definition, at least our own internal definition for Shimazake, haven't we? Yeah. I like the, if you have to swim, if you have to get in a boat or yeah, f- of course, fly in some way, then mm-hmm. I guess that kind of works. Sure. If there's a bridge or a tunnel, then maybe not. Right, right, right. Yeah. I think I like that too. And I guess just since to get from mainland Japan to Okinawa or Amami, you do need to do one of those things. So maybe those main island, Awamori and, and Kokuto Shochu can, can stay Shimazake. What do you think? I, I, get, I think they can. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, everything on this planet is a damn island. It's just some of it has, <laughs> has you know, broader shoulders. I don't know. There's just more of it showing above the surface. But sure, um, sure. You know, there's, I don't know, what percentage of the earth is covered by water? like 80 percent 70 80 something like 70, that. yeah so probably something we should... everybody lives on an island just some of them are bigger than others that's a fair way of thinking about it. so i guess we're gonna have to we're gonna have to differentiate here and i think the the simple the very simple method that we came up with is gonna have to work in this case sure works for me you uh sipping on anything what's your uh tipple tonight i am i'm actually sipping on an awamori tonight it's an awamori that's made by um Takamine Distillery 
in uh, on the main island. I don't know if we can call it a shimazake, but uh, quite nice, actually. Nice. Yeah. I, it's, so there's a distillery called Takamine? There is, yeah. How, how did I not know that? Well, it's it's That's funny. It's uh, I it's not the same kanji. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm actually I hadn't been sipping anything, but that's because I wanted to get the crack of the bottle sound and catch the the distillery air as I open the bottle for this. And I'll tell you what it is once I've done that. So, little sound effect here. Nice. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. So this is basically <laughs> the label just says rum. Uh. It actually says Bonin Islands Rum. It's from oh. uh, Ogasawara. Right. It's a 40% alcohol white rum. And it's got all of that character you would expect from one of the far-flung island uh, rums that we've talked about earlier in the episode and on the rum uh, episode as well. Just really, really funky, grassy. Yeah, a little bit of wet cement. Hmm. Hmm. Almost some nail polish remover. I don't know if it's nail polish or nail polish remover. Might have both. <laughs> yeah, at least at least before it off gases a little bit. Yeah, it'll be different in about ten minutes, right? Sure, I'm sure it will. But yeah, just another you know one of these local rums that is, lives on this island way out in the middle of nowhere. So anyway, Love cheers. It. This is this has been a fun conversation. Absolutely, I'm glad we finally did a Shimazake episode because we talk about it all the time, and now we'll be able to refer people back to something foundational absolutely so yeah i'm gonna drink some more shimazake right now cool okay enjoy well thank you very much for listening everyone and if you want to learn more about shimazake or many other things related to japanese alcohol please consider buying a copy of steven's book the complete guide to japanese drinks there's a nice chapter on awamori as well in there and there's info on both iki island and all of the shows you made in the amami islands and of course, if you want to reach out with any thoughts or questions about this podcast, you can contact me via Chris Pellegrini on Twitter and Christopher Pellegrini on Instagram. If you're watching this show on japandistilled.com, then you should be able to find the uh, links to those accounts there. Yeah. And you can reach out to me at Japan Distilled on both Twitter and Instagram. Hit us up with your thoughts on any Shimazaki you might have tried or that you're now curious about. Uh, we'll be posting photos of a lot of these brands in the show notes and and some maps and that sort of thing. But uh, And of course, Christopher's book, The Shochu Handbook, is chock full of information as well. Always good to have that. I actually have two copies of it. I've got the first and second editions that I keep uh, handy and they're well thumbed through whenever I'm uh, prepping for this show. And also, please tune in to Japan Distilled Show Tuesday every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 10 a.m. Wednesday here in Japan. So everyone out there, Wherever you're listening right now, please raise your, your glass, your cup, your vessel, and come by with us um, from Stephen and I here in Japan to all of you out there, wherever you happen to be. We hope you have a, a great evening, a great week. Stay safe and keep smiling. A very hearty and heartfelt kampai from both of us. Kampai. Kampai. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Distilled Podcast. This has been Christopher Pellegrini with my co-host Stephen Lyman. Our theme song is Begin Anywhere by the very talented Tomoko Miyata. Audio engineering by the incomparable Rich Pav, who also edits the fantastic Uncanny Japan podcast with Teresa Matsuura. Please give that a listen as well if you're interested in Japanese fables and ghost stories.